Would you take your Bible now and go to Hebrews chapter 11. For those of you who are joining us as guests online, I want to welcome you. My name is Ian. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Community Church, and it's my delight and my great opportunity as one of the pastors here to do the regular preaching and teaching of God's Word. This morning we're jumping back into our our series through the book of Hebrews, and we find ourselves this morning in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm just going to read two verses from this epic chapter of this amazing New Testament epistle. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Let us hear the word of God. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. That is the word of God. May he add his blessing to its reading and teaching by the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can't hear you, but I'm imagining you saying amen. Um, We're going to actually do a series this summer that's kind of taken from the script of a very popular movie called Inception. But instead of experiencing a dream within a dream, we're going to experience a sermon series within a sermon series. We're actually going to take some time this summer to slow down and work our way through what I believe to be one of the most epic chapters in all the book of Hebrews. This is one of my favorite books in the New Testament, and this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. We're going to take the whole summer to look at Hebrews 11 through chapter 12, verse 2, as we consider a sub-series within the book of Hebrews called Patterns of Perseverance. And I'll explain why in a few moments. I think it will make sense why it will be helpful for us to slow down and consider patterns for perseverance as we just kind of review the, the big macro lessons we've been considering this, thus far in the book of Hebrews. As a whole, the book of Hebrews addresses two macro themes that we keep interacting with over and over again as we work our th- way through this New Testament epistle. One of those the- themes lifts our hearts to the heights of celebration, and one of those themes jolts our hearts with the utmost sobriety. What are those two themes? Well, the first one, the celebratory theme, is one that's very, very obvious. And it's been obvious. We've been emphasizing it over and over and over again. It's this. Jesus is better. Over and over again, the book of Hebrews sets forth Jesus Christ and celebrates him as the one who is like none other. It sets up Jesus Christ in contrast to how he is the fulfillment of all that the old covenant anticipated leading up to him arriving on the scene through his incarnation. We've been considering how Jesus is better than the angels, and Jesus is better than Moses, and Jesus is better than Aaron, not Aaron playing the drums, but Aaron the high priest in in the Old Testament. How Jesus is better, offers a better sacrifice, and is a better temple, and and offers a, a better covenant promise in the new covenant. And so because Jesus is better, because Jesus is all this and more, there's only one appropriate way to respond. Celebration. Worship Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Obey Jesus. Treasure Jesus. Live to make much of Jesus. This comes up over and over and over again. It is the celebratory theme of the book of Hebrews. But then there's also a sobering theme. 
The sobering theme of the book of Hebrews that runs parallel with the first is that not everyone who professes faith in Jesus perseveres in following Jesus to the end. Not everyone makes it to the end. This is sobering. It's like Jesus said in the, in the parable of the sower. There are some people who receive the good news of Christ, the gospel, and they immediately respond with joy. But over time, they fizzle out. And the author here is warning over and over again that there will always be people who identify with Jesus and the church publicly who ultimately do not possess genuine faith internally. This is because genuine faith is a persevering faith. Thus the uncomfortable warnings of Hebrews, one after another. Don't be one of those who falls away. Keep the faith. To, to borrow a phrase from a very popular party song over the last several decades, don't stop believing. As we head into chapter 11, it's important to remember that it follows one of the most sobering warnings that we've received thus far. And so I know I've read from chapter 11. If you want to back up a few verses in the chapter 10, just let's be reminded of what Stephen preached to us several weeks back from this text. Here the author warns us not to throw away our confidence in Christ in verse 35. Here he warns us that only those who persevere to the end will receive the promised reward in verse 36. He warns us not to be among those who shrink back from following Jesus in verse 38. He exhorts us to live a life characterized by persevering faith in verse 38. And then finally in verse 39, he encourages the original recipients of this letter that he believes that they are among those who will believe to the end and not shrink back. In other words, he believes that their lives are marked by the characteristics of persevering faith in Christ. So what does that look like? What does it look like to live a life that is marked by persevering faith in Christ? What does it look like to live a life that follows Jesus to the end? What does it look like to live by faith and, and not by sight? What does it look like to live a life that, that exhibits persevering in Christ no matter what till we reach God's presence? Well, that brings us to chapter 11. Hebrews 11 provides real-life examples from biblical history of those whose lives were marked by persevering faith in the promises of God. These are men and women who did not shrink back. These are men and women who believed to the end, trusted to the end, hoped to the end, followed to the end, even though many of the promises they received from God were not fulfilled until after they left this world. These are men and women who are at this very moment receiving their reward in the presence of God. And because all the promises of God find their fulfillment, their yes and amen in Jesus, we can say that these are men and women who provide us with an example of what it looks like to exhibit persevering faith in Christ. So in Hebrews 11, 
the author is saying, here are examples of what it looks like to persevere in your faith. Here's what it looked like for Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and David, etc. Here's what it looked like for them to exhibit persevering faith to the end. And we have a lot to learn from them. That's the author's point. They didn't all see how it was all going to work out, but they believed in the one who would work it all out. And because of that, they kept on believing. So here's the point of Hebrews 11, as it stands here for us, is this epic chapter in this New Testament book. Their examples are not only meant to be inspiring, their examples are meant to be imitated. They don't serve as monuments to memorialize. The hall of faith, as I've heard many people describe this chapter. We're not going to get into all the details, but these people were weak. They had feet of clay. They failed often, just like you and just like me. But they had faith in the one who would never fail. They had faith in the one who would always keep his word. They had faith in the one who would hold on to them, even though they didn't always hold on to him. They're not perfect examples but they are examples of what it looks like to hold on to God to the end, right? So they don't serve as monuments to memorialize. They serve as models to mimic. Each one of them provides a pattern for perseverance. So back in chapter 6, an, another warning section, the author says the following in verses 11 and 12 about the examples of those who've gone before us. We read, as we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, the author's saying, if you want to make it to the end, imitate the faith and patience of those who made it to the end. This word imitate means to mimic or to trace a pattern. <laughs> Back when I was a growing, aspiring artist at the age of eight, I developed quite the skill of reduplicating comic book covers. These masterpieces were so spectacular that they would hang on my grandparents' refrigerators for years. That's not an exaggeration. And I had this method, a foolproof method. I would take my piece of drawing paper, I would lay it over top of the comic book cover, and with the help of a bright light, I would trace that cover. I mean, I could make Spider-Man look like Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. It was pretty fantastic in, in my estimation. But, but what, what helped me produce these phenomenal drawings? My drawings were the product of tracing the pattern of another drawing. Hebrews 11 gives us a pattern to trace. God's okay with tracing. No concerns about plagiarism here, okay? There's no concerns with that. God's okay with tracing. God invites us to learn to live lives that are marked by persevering faith, by tracing the lives of others who lived lives of persevering faith. 
So for example, by faith, Sarah did this. What should we do? We should be like Sarah. By faith, Moses did this. What should we do? We look at that, we trace it, and we act like Moses. Each one of the lives of those who are set forth as examples in Hebrews chapter 11 are meant to be viewed as a pattern to trace. Why? Because part of being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is tracing the pattern of other faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's not just here in Hebrews 11. This is what the Apostle Paul will say often, like in, chapter, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Very humbling for me as a pastor, later on here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, the author exhorts us to follow the example or to trace the pattern of our leaders who have taught us the word of God. And the same word is used here as is used in chapter 6, imitate their faith. So that kind of brings us to the big idea we want to consider over the summer from Hebrews 11 into chapter 12, verse 2. And it's this, part of being a faithful follower of Jesus is tracing the pattern of other faithful followers of Jesus. And so in summary, here's what Hebrews 11 is doing for us in the context of the full scope of the book. Hebrews 11 is providing us with patterns for perseverance. And so as we look at these pictures this summer, um, we want to look at the lives of those who are characterized by persevering faith, and we want to learn how to mimic them, be shaped by them, be encouraged by them, be stirred by them. Hebrews 11 is full of examples that can help us faithfully live lives that follow Jesus to the end. So this summer we're going to look at some of these pictures. And I like to think of them like Polaroid pictures. They're not big portraits. These are just little pictures. You remember the Polaroids? I know they're retro again. They were big when I was a kid. We, we got our daughter. Our daughter a couple of years ago asked for a Polaroid camera. I'm like, what? Those things are like ancient. But like everything, things come back. They're retro and they cost five times they did before, right? So what were those Polaroid pictures? They were awesome. You'd aim, you'd shoot, picture would pop out. You'd take that thing and you'd shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture, right? And you'd shake it until you could see it. And then here's how it worked in my house. We, our house, no offense, mom and dad, just being honest, our house was, had lots of clutter. But one of the gold mines in the midst of all the clutter were the stacks of Polaroid pictures. Every once in a while, you'd pick up one of those stacks and you just shuffle through them, and you just have a blast remembering, oh, I remember when we took that picture. I remember what was going on when we looked at that picture. That's kind of what Hebrews 11 is doing for us. It's a stack of, of Polaroid pictures, if you will. They're not, they're not exhaustive. doesn't give us the full story. By no means do we get a, the full biography of every single person that is included in this chapter. But we do get a little snapshot, a little picture how in the moment that's captured for us, these brothers and sisters, this is our family, these brothers and sisters were exhibiting persevering faith in God. And we have something to learn as we behold these pictures. So, as we shuffle through the stack this summer, I think we're going to see enough to stir us. We'll see enough to move us. We'll see enough to keep us following Jesus. And as we see them, 
I think the goal is that we will become a little bit more like them. These brothers and sisters have a lot to teach us about what it looks like to follow Jesus to the end. And so the goal is to become a little more like them in their life of faith. So what is faith? What is faith? What does it mean to live a life marked by persevering faith in Christ? Well, in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, we have a summary. Let me direct your attention to it now. Look at your Bible, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is, equals, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Real briefly, let's notice four characteristics of persevering faith from this one. This verse doesn't tell us everything there is to know about faith. Faith is complex. It's rich. It has very many nuances to its meaning. But right here is where we see the heart of what it means to exhibit persevering faith. Faith that keeps on going. Faith that lasts to the end. Four characteristics. First, faith's anticipation. Faith's anticipation is waiting for a better future. Faith is dealing with things hoped for. In other words, faith is believing that there are things that haven't happened yet that we believe will happen in the future because God will cause them to happen. And so faith waits in hope for those things to happen. Faith waits for the better future. Faith waits for God to bring things into being that only God can bring into being. That's hope. Hope is an orientation towards the future. God will do things that he has not done yet, and I believe that they shall come to pass. Again, we're going to look at many examples of how that fits into the lives and experiences of those in Hebrews chapter 11. But, but before we get into it more deeply, just consider Abraham for a minute. Abraham had a hope that one day in the future, even though Sarah was barren, even though he didn't have any children yet, that his descendants would become a great nation whose number would be more than the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. His hope that that day would come is faith's anticipation. That's things hoped for. A hope-filled orientation that, that the future has things in store that only God can cause to happen. Things in the future that haven't happened, that will happen, that we can't make happen, but God can. That's faith. And so part of faith is waiting in hope for the future. That's faith's anticipation. Faith is waiting for a better future because God is able to bring about that better future. Notice second, faith's action. Second characteristic of faith, faith's action. Faith's action is seeing the unseen. Again, in this one single sentence describing faith, it's talking about, faith is talking about things on 
seen. So faith is believing that there are things that I can't see with my human eyes that are just as real as what I can see with my human eyes. There are things, we're going to talk about what these things are in just a moment, but there are things that we can't see that are just as real as the things that we can see. Namely, God and his promises. God is at work in the unseen, doing what God does. He's planning and providing and orchestrating the events of human history as well as my personal history to be accomplished according to his sovereign plan. Everything is moving in a God-orchestrated direction, even though we cannot see the hands of God moving them there. So faith involves believing that in the unseen realm, God and his servants, the angelic hosts, are at work in the visible world, doing the things that God plans to do, accomplishing the things that God intends to accomplish. So faith is saying, even though I can't see it, even though I can't see him, God is not sitting on his hands. God is active. And so faith is believing that even though we can't see him, our God is in the heavens and he is doing everything he pleases. Psalm 115 verse 3. John Piper has a very popular quote that I probably quote every 12 sermons. Just kidding. Um, that at any given moment, God is up to 10,000 things and we can only detect three of them. The idea is that our unseen God is always at work behind the scenes, moving the events of human history and moving the events of our personal history in their God-appointed direction. That's faith's action, seeing the unseen. Third, faith's anchor. Faith's anchor. Faith's anchor is the reliability of God's promises. Now let's talk about the things. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. What are the things? What are the things that haven't happened yet? What are the things that await us in the future? Are they arbitrary? Maybe God will do this. Maybe God will do that. Well, certainly God is God and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But faith is anchored in the reality that God has some tangible things that he plans to do. God has made some tangible promises that must come to pass. And those promises will come to pass because God is infinitely reliable and he never lies. God's word can be trusted. If he promises a thing, he will do a thing. Maybe not when we want, maybe not how we want or would expect, maybe not even in our lifetime. But faith is anchored in the belief that God will always do what he promised. And some of those promises have yet to be fulfilled. So that's faith. Faith is anchored in the things God has said he will do. And so we can hold on to those promises and believe, have faith, that all that he has promised 
surely he will accomplish. It's important that we don't make this, this word things our things. These are God's things, God's promises. And we can often do this, especially in, in the religious culture that we find ourselves living today. We don't hold God hostage to the things we want him to do in the future. That's not faith. That's acting like a spoiled spiritual brat, right? I have a dream. I have an ambition. This is what I want. Here's my miracle. Oh, stop it. That stuff drives me nuts. It should drive you nuts too. If you're waiting for your miracle, you may never get it because it's yours. Please, I'm not trying to be punchy. Well, maybe I am, okay? Here's what you should be waiting for. Not your things, God's things. And here's the amazing thing about God's things, God's promises. They're, they're full of grace and they're full of love and they're full of future and they're for you. You shouldn't want your things. You should want God's things because his things are better than yours. Sorry, it's just true. God's things are better than your things. And so stop anchoring your faith in God being your genie in the bottle that comes to give you your wishes. No, no, no. Our disposition should be as Christ has captured it beautifully in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. We, want, we should want the things that the God of the universe has promised, the things that God of the universe has planned, the things that he has decided are best for us and our world and his glory. And so faith is anchored in those things, in God's things, in his promises. Again, to use Abraham as an example. Uh, why did Abraham believe that the unseen God would make out of him a great nation? Not because Abraham woke up one day with this, this dream, this ambition, I'm going to become a great nation. All right, God, make it happen. No, God showed up and made a promise. I will make you a great nation. So Abraham believed that he was going to become the father of a great nation, not because it was his ambition, not because it was his thing, but because it was God's thing. It was God's promise. And so Abraham's faith was not in God doing the things Abraham demanded from God. Abraham's faith was anchored in God doing the things God promised to do. And that's where we should anchor our promises, anchor our faith. This is true of everyone who put their hope in the promise-making God. We read later on in one of the summaries of chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 13, we read, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. It kind of takes the three characteristics of faith and pulls them all together here in this summary statement. They, they believed that there was a better future, and they believed it was so sure it's almost like they could see it from afar, even though it hadn't arrived yet. And they, they were so sure <laughs> that it was coming, that in God's time and in God's way, he would do his thing. He would keep his word. He would fulfill his promise that, that they greeted them from afar. Hello, fulfilled promise. <laughs> You're out there greeting them from afar because they knew that God would keep his word. And these all died in faith. 
having not received the things promised. And we're going to see later by the end of this chapter that that, uh, that ultimate thing promised was Jesus Christ. That's faith's anchor. Let us move on. Finally, faith's attitude. Faith's attitude. Faith's attitude is a confident expectation. There are two words I haven't addressed yet. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith believes with an unmovable conviction. If God promised it, faith is confident that God will do it. God will eventually, progressively, in his time and in his way, do all the things he's promised. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't struggle with doubts along the way. I did tell you a couple minutes ago that the people in this chapter, they weren't perfect. Abraham um, had an Ishmael before he had an Isaac. Why? He doubted. He struggled. But in the end, he kept believing and moved on. So we're going to look at all that and all of its realness and hopefully there's some hope and connection there for us. Because we're, if we look at these people like heroes, then forget about it. Right? But they're not heroes. They are sinners in need of a savior. Just like you. Just like me. But faith's attitude is, alright God, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. Right now, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Right now, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to happen. But you're God, and you promised. And when you promise something, we can bank on it. That's faith's attitude, a confident expectation. So faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not blind. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is not therapeutic a therapeutic coping mechanism. Now, faith is a confident expectation that whatever God promised will surely come to pass in his time and in his way. See, one of the problems for us to get our hearts and minds around biblical faith and biblical hope is that we use faith and hope in, in different ways in, at different times. For example, I'm sure a number of you who, like me, are, were very excited that the NBA announced that there's finally going to be the remainder of the season. I'm sure, like me, a number of you were really excited when Major League Baseball said, we're going to have, finally, we're going to have a 60-game season. And when you heard those announcements, it was both a yes and a, yeah, we'll see, right? Just because they said it, just because they promised it, doesn't mean it's going to happen. And I'm sitting here waiting, like many of you, we'll see if on July 31st, we really do have the beginning of an NBA and a baseball season, right? The way that we, the way that we say, I hope that happens, we say, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I believe it will, but it's possible that it won't take place and we'll be disappointed once again. That's not biblical faith. That's not biblical hope. It's not a maybe it will or maybe it won't. It's this. If God promised it, I can bang on it. If God said it, and God is not a liar. In his time and in his way, his promises 
shall come to pass. So in summary, Hebrews 11.1 1 doesn't say everything there is to say about faith. But it does reveal several of its essential characteristics. Especially as it relates to this emphasis in the book of Hebrews of persevering in our faith to the end. So by way of review, faith's anticipation is waiting for a better future. Faith's action is seeing the unseen. Faith's anchor is in the reliability of God's promises. And faith's attitude is a confident expectation. My, my working definition that I offer to you of faith according to this verse is as follows. Faith is a confident expectation that whatever God has promised will surely come to pass in his time and in his way because God always does what he says. That's faith according to Hebrews 11 verse 1. And that's faith as will be displayed by our brothers and sisters whose snapshots we will behold throughout the rest of this chapter. David Peterson puts it this way in his commentary on Hebrews. God honoring faith takes God at his word and lives expectantly and obediently in the present, waiting for him to fulfill his promises. That's a helpful summary of faith according to Hebrews 11 verse 1. So what does it look like to live out that kind of God honoring faith? What does it look like to wait for God's better future? What does it look like to live expectantly and obediently in the present as we wait for the fulfillment of God's promises in the future? That's what we'll be considering for the rest of the summer. That's Hebrews 11. Part of being a faithful follower of Jesus is tracing the pattern of other faithful followers of Jesus. And may God help us throughout the summer to behold the patterns, to trace their lives, and continue by the grace of God to follow Jesus to the end. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this word from your word. We thank you that you have left us with clear instructions for what it looks like to keep following Jesus. Father, I pray for those who have listened to this sermon who have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. God, I pray for them to see that Jesus can do for them what no one else can do for them. Only Jesus could live the life that they could not live, a life of righteousness that brings you pleasure. Only Jesus could die the death we deserve and offer the way of forgiveness and acceptance in your presence. Only Jesus could rise from the dead and conquer sin and death and hell and raise us to newness of life. Father, we thank you for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we go on to thank you for his ascension, his ever living above to care for us, and the day that he will one day return and make everything right again. For those who have yet to put their trust in him, would they see that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him? That these promises that have been fulfilled thus far have ultimately been, provide, have been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, 
his ascension, his lordship, his power, his reign, his priesthood. Help us to see, help my friends to see that that Jesus, who's the fulfillment of all these promises, who will be the fulfillment of the promises yet to be fulfilled, that he is worthy of all their worship, love, devotion, and trust. And would you help us, Father? Would you help us to continue to wait for all your promises to be fulfilled? Would you help us to keep believing and keep following all the way to the end? And would you use this teaching series within the series of Hebrews to help us see these patterns of perseverance and trace them by your grace that we might be like those who've gone before us, who followed you, who believed you to the end. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.